0: Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church. Then there's media.
1: We used to call it TV, call it the screen, call it YouTube, call it Netflix. We spend all of our time in front of a screen and we don't take time for God. And we don't realize it, but not taking time for God is not taking time for ourselves because we don't grow. We don't learn how to interpret the world through the lens of Scripture to make sense of our existence.
0: I can see the promised land Though there's pain within the plan There is victory in the end Your love is my battle
1: cry The answer for all my
0: life Every giant will fall with Keith Crosby, Senior Pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are so grateful that you've chosen to spend time with us today on the program, and as always, we would encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. On today's edition of Grace to Live, we are continuing with Pastor Keith's series entitled Church Matters. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with us today to the book of 1 Timothy, Chapter 4. Now here's Pastor Keith with today's study.
1: This theme that undergirds chapter 4 that enables you and I to be a good servant of God and not a mediocre one is loving God with all your mind. Loving God with all your mind. You can't emphasize the importance of that because you cannot be a good servant of the Most High God if you don't love Him with all your mind. How you love him spills into every aspect of your life. And while 1 Timothy chapter 4 is part of the pastoral epistles and generally understood to be instructions to the man of God, to the preacher, to the teacher, to the chief elder, to whatever, it also has principles that apply to each and every Christian and each and every Christian church, and they are not to be missed here. And one is loving God with all your mind. Now, what does it take to love God with all your mind? What does it take to be a good student a good student a good a good servant rather than a mediocre one? Well, I want you to listen. I want you to listen because this is woven all through first Timothy chapter four, and i 'm going to read through it for you, and then we will begin to unpack this text so that you can love your God the Lord your God with all your mind 1st Timothy chapter 4 1 now the spirit expressly says in latter times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teaching of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared who forbid marriage who require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth you can't love God and allow yourself to be distracted by junk by false teaching by myths or urban legends verse 4 for for, because everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving for it is made holy by the word of God and prayer When when you are thankful for what you have you're mindful of the goodness of God And inclined toward him. He says in verse 6 If you put these things before the brothers, he's speaking to Timothy as a preacher, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness, for godliness, for While bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and the life to come. You have to have the right priorities and the right focus. Verse 9. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. This is talking about dwelling on the right stuff. For to this end, for to this end we toil and strive. This is why God has raised us up for such a time as this. Because we have our hope set on the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially those who believe. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you because of your youth, but set the believers an example, in speech, in conduct, in love, and faith, and purity. We have to live and act maturely if we want to love God with all of our mind. Verse 13, until I come, devote yourself devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture to exhortation to teaching do not neglect the gift you have which was given to you by prophecy when the council of elders laid hands on you practice these things immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress keep a close watch on yourself and the teaching persist in this for so by so doing you will save both yourself and your hearers you know when you're trying to love god and serve god there's no backing off there's no there's no taking it easy it's it's a it's a full-on thing loving god with all your mind now some people fail to do this people live distracted preoccupied lives overwhelmed by the world around them Imprisoned by fears of what might happen, distracted by the slings and arrows that this world throws at them. And along these lines, too many people fall prey to false teaching that sounds good on the outside, that tickles the ears like critical theory or intersectionality or the misguided perversion of social justice, of God's justice. False teaching keeps us from loving God with all of our mind and focusing on the here and now and not eternal things but there are numerous numerous numbers of other things that keep us that hinder us from loving God with all of our mind and I want to share just a few of them with you now one is restlessness restlessness there are these people who are always looking for the next big thing they can't sit still they're looking for the next job the next city the next church the next friend the next they, they find little time to be still and know that He is God. They can't sit still and they rob themselves of the joy and the contentment that comes from loving God with all their minds. And they rob God and the kingdom of God from mature, impactful service because they, they never grow up. They're always looking for something else. The second thing is a, a busyness. It's similar to restlessness. There are people who again can't sit still and they confuse activity for ministry. They're doing things for the kingdom. They're living this rules-based paint by the number of life. Everything is activity-based. They're on spiritual autopilot. Their schedule is full. And the trouble is when you're that way, you might have been a Christian for 10 years, but you've just lived the, the first year 10 times. and You've never really grown because you've never really stepped back and took time to be mentored, to put yourself under somebody else's guidance and, and discipleship. And you end up being too busy for God because you're serving God, busy, 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 and you're growing nowhere fast. Another distraction, another hindrance to loving God with all of our minds has to do with time wasters. Time wasters. Time wasters populate the world around us. Excessive use of social media. Some people spend more time on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, whatever, than they do in prayer. They get their news from social media, and they only know what they've seen there. And they they really don't take time to invest in coming to know God then there's gaming at one point it was plants versus zombies then came angry birds but there's also there are some really heavy-duty online gaming complicated games sophisticated games for serious gamers by serious gamers and there are people young and old who stay up all night Playing games. Always trying to get to the next level. I remember early on in my ministry, and, and this would be dinosaur games, you know, really unsophisticated games, but years ago, I had a young man in my uh, youth ministry, and he stayed up all night playing games, and he reversed his nights and days, his grades crashed, his life crashed, he retreated into his bedroom, and he stayed there. And now that he's in his mid-30s, he's still there. Then there's Media. We used to call it TV, call it the screen, call it YouTube, call it Netflix. We spend all of our time in front of a screen and we don't take time for God. And we don't realize it, but not taking time for God is not taking time for ourselves because we don't grow. We don't learn how to interpret the world through the lens of Scripture to make sense of our existence. Then there are other time wasters, obsessions, junk reading. Whether it's the latest conspiracy theory website or tracking down the 16th generation of your family through some genealogy book or study. Our hobbies can become obsessions if we don't control them. And then there are the frightening things. People worried about the end times, worried about this, worried about that. Let me tell you something. We've been in the end times since the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we know how the book ends, don't we? Things are not going to get better. And there is nothing you can do to stop them. Think about that. The question is, how then shall you live? You've got to love God with all of your mind. And then, of course, the other distraction, let's not forget politics. You know, politics. When we mistake our Christianity for political ideology. And you know what happens? you miss out you miss out on feeling god's pleasure as you serve him according to his will you miss out on the joy of seeing other people grow on the contentment that you find through a changed life i'm reminded that horses were made to run birds were made for flight fish to swim and christians to love god in the shorter catechism of the westminster confession one of the, the first question is, "What is the chief end of man? What is the chief purpose of man? To worship God and to enjoy Him forever." Paul put this warning in Second Timothy, and we'll get to Second Timothy. First, we have to finish First Timothy, right? But Second Timothy two four, you should write this down and by all means memorize this. He's talking about the Christian, the man of God, person of God, the servant of God. The person who loves God with all of his or her mind. Second 2 Timothy 2.4 No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, earthly pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. But the good news is, Christian, is it doesn't have to be this way. You don't have to be wrapped up and imprisoned and in bondage to time wasters, to fear. It doesn't have to be this way. And today I'd like to give you an antidote to avoid this poison, this plague. I want to show you a way out. I want to show you a way forward. And today I'd like you to consider embracing three actions, or taking three steps, so that you can love God with all of your mind, and enjoy the freedom and the time that you have left as you serve him with contentment and peace according to his will, without regrets, without loss, enjoying the full satisfaction of your salvation as a good servant of God, as one who will one day hear, well done, good and faithful servant. I want you to consider embracing three steps. And step number one is this. Condition. Condition yourself to love God with all of your mind. Condition yourself to love God with all of your mind. Now, where do we see this? We see this in 1 Timothy 4, seven. What does it say? Have nothing to do with silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. And as Pastor Chris pointed out, the word here is gumnazo, from which we get the word gymnasium. This is a verb here. It's a command. This conditioning aspect is alluded to in the text, by the use of this word, training yourself, conditioning yourself. Just as an elite athlete, and us not so elite athletes, condition our bodies, we must condition our minds. You've got to build up emotional, mental, spiritual endurance. How? Well, remember this, you can't, you can't play any sport without conditioning. Professional athletes just don't show up on the field and perform at the highest levels. Before they engage in deploying their techniques, their skills, they condition their bodies. If they don't, they'll run out of gas, no matter how much natural talent they had. You've got to do the same thing. So what does it take? What does it take to condition yourself, to prepare your mind to love God? Well, as always, the Word of God provides the answer if we just pay attention. And look in the text. What does it take to condition yourself? Well, for starters, you've got to declutter. You've got to make some space in the schedule. You've got to make some space in your mind. Where do we see this? Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Now, for Timothy, he was contending with Judaizers in the church that were getting into Jewish myths and genealogies and confusing people. For you, it's not losing sleep over the wrong kinds of things. It's not getting angry over the wrong stuff. It's not fretting because of evildoers, because that only leads to harm. It's not being bound up in fear, worrying, becoming preoccupied with what if, what might. And this involves what Jesus called uh, detaching, I call it detaching and discarding, if you're Whatever causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away from you. Paul calls it putting off and putting on. You see it here in the text. There's th- things that have to go, people, places, and things that got to go. They cannot, they, you cannot rent them space in your minds. And there are things you have to put into your mind. And you see it in all of verse 7 here. What does it say in verse 7? Have nothing to do with irreverent silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. Think of it as demolition before construction. You know, when we do work in this building, there's a demolition phase where stuff's got to go. And then there's the building up phase, the construction phase, the remediation phase. This word gumnazo here, training yourself for godliness, in its semantic domain, there's a synonym agonizomai, in which we get the word agonize. There are certain things you want to agonize over and certain things you don't want to agonize over. And we have an example of this putting off and this putting on, this dis- this destruction and, and demolition and construction. And you find it, how many of us have memorized, maybe through navigator studies or other studies, Philippians 4, 6 through 8? Right? Be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Then it goes on to say, Whatever is true, whatever is lovely, whatever is good, whatever is of worthy report right? Dwell on these things. Don't worry. Pray. Dwell. Concern yourself with the uplifting, with the good things. But the problem is, is we forgot to memorize verse 9. Look at verse 9 with me. This is essential. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the peace of God, the God of peace will be with you. There's the conditioning. It's a theme throughout the Bible. And that's why Jesus said, if your eye offends you, and the King James, or if your eye causes you to stumble, you know, pluck it out and throw it away from you. Well, we need eyes, we think. But there's some things we can't afford to have if they cause us to stumble. And so we are to put off and to put on. We are to make room for God. We are to declutter. We are to... Detach and discard. This takes constant, ongoing action and attention. Years ago, I watched an episode of The Office, and uh, Robert California exercised once a month for like a wrestling for like half a day, because that burned up all the calories he could burn up by exercising. Every you can't you can't do that in Christianity. You can't do that in anything. Conditioning is an everyday kind of thing you cannot cram for life you cannot cram for conditioning all right so number one condition your mind to love god which naturally leads to our next step step two step two is this habituate loving god with all your mind habituate it Replace the bad habits with the new. We already alluded to that, right? Habituate. This goes hand in hand with conditioning. You form a habit. You form a routine. You know, we always say, well, it takes six weeks to form a habit. I have good news and bad news for you. And the research I've done on, for this sermon and in the past on addiction, which is just a bad habit, right? It takes between 18 days for some and 254 days for others to form a habit. It depends on the habit. It takes between 18 and 254 days. So what what does it entail? What does it take to habituate, to form a habit? Well, let's look at the text and see. Look at verse uh, 11 through uh, 13. It says, command and teach these things. Let no one despise your youth. But set an example for all believers in speech and conduct and love and faith and impurity until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. You know what it takes? Cumulativeness. Cumulativeness. You know what they say pennies add up? The magic of compounding interest for those of you who are in finance. And for those of you who aren't in finance and haven't attended financial peace or have, you may have learned that compounding interest works both ways. Credit card debt builds up to suffocate you. It accumulates. But savings builds up to set you free financially. And that's what's going on here. The pennies add up. Compounding interest. You are accumulating good practices. That's the key to habituate. Command and teach these things. You can see them accumulating. Let no one despise your youth, but set an example for believers in speech in conduct, in faith, in purity, in every aspect of your life, form good habits. And until I come, devote yourself to the public reading, to exhortation, to teaching. Experience is accumulated over time. Habits are formulated over time. Skills are built over time. You build up little habits. You acquire little practices which add up to a new way of life, letting the good practices and good habits Formulate. Accumulate. In other words, drill, 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 drill. Till it becomes second nature. Stack up little wins. Look at verses 11 and 12 with me again. Command and teach these things. And now for my pet peeve, the third most misinterpreted, misapplied verse in the whole Bible. Let no one despise your youth. I can't tell you how many times I've heard youth guys say, and let no one despise your youth as if everybody's supposed to bow down to young people, OK who don't know anything. What it's saying, he's warning Timothy, do not act your age. You're younger than most of the people there. Command and teach these things. Don't let anybody despise your youth, but set the believer as an example. Act older, act mature. How? In speech? little victories in conduct building up little habits in love in faith in purity and in verse 13 until I come devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture to exhortation to teaching to in other words spiritual self-disciplines this has to do with forming these habits this cumulativeness what does it take to develop cumulativeness takes repetition You see it in the text. We just saw it. Command and teach. Set an example. Devote yourself.
0: Pastor Keith Crosby with today's Grace to Live radio broadcast. The website is also a great place to connect with us here at Hillside. You can find information on our service times, ministry opportunities, and of course you can browse our calendar of upcoming events. Again, all this and much, much more can be found by visiting our website, hillsidechurch.org. Well, we hope that you'll join us again next time on Grace to Live. But until then, I'm your host, Kevin Reeves, and on behalf of Pastor Keith and everyone here at Hillside Church, It is our prayer that the Lord will richly bless you, and thanks for listening.